I'm glad you're here today. I have a couple of uh, public service announcements to make. Number one, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. How about that? How about that? It's exciting. All right. And also, also, check this out. You too can own this sweet, fervent gear. This is actually the foundry right here. You too can own this. Uh, we, ha- we saw some others on the stage today. Here's the thing. I want to tell you, today you have to make one choice. Either be a lifelong Chiefs fan or buy some fervent gear. That's, you got to make one choice. You can do two if you want, but you got to make at least one choice. Jesus is watching. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But uh, now let's dive back into the complicated series. This has been a great series for us. It's looking at uh, the relationships in our life that are complicated. It's been a a series on how to simplify those relationships in our life. And of all those complicated relationships, there's one person that we hang out with the most. Um, And it's true for all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It's, It's universally true. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how rich, how poor. Uh, none of that matters. If you're single or married, that person that you spend the most time with is you. You don't spend more time with anybody else than you. So why is it so difficult to understand the one person that we literally spend every waking and sleeping moment with? But it is hard to understand ourselves sometimes, isn't it? It is hard to understand ourselves sometimes, isn't it? Am I? Okay, okay. I just want to make sure I'm not the only one. Whew, okay. Because I could go talk to myself in the corner. I could do that. Um, But here's the reason why. Because we can become our absolute worst critic. We compare our worst string of failures up against our friend's highlight reel. And the reality is today with the social media craze, I was in a conversation with somebody this last week, and I talked about uh, the fact that These days, because of social media, everyone is a celebrity. That's what we look at. We look at their highlight reel, and we see our friends. Used to, you had to go to a magazine to see somebody that you couldn't quite match up to. Now you look at your friends on their social media page, and you can't match up to to their level. Are you with me? So it's a struggle. We become our worst critic. That's why we don't understand ourselves. We forget to stop and smell the roses instead of smelling the dirty laundry in the corner of the room. We have a difficult time with that. We judge ourselves based on self-imposed, unrealistic standards that nobody else even adheres to because we're our worst critic. We don't understand ourselves because we can become our absolute worst critic. And, and, and also, another reason why we don't understand ourselves is because we become so incredibly self-absorbed. Anybody self-absorbed? You usually don't know when it happens, you know? But the filter that we see everything through becomes corrupted by our own imperfect viewpoints. And, and, and we don't even realize that it's happening. We, we aren't even aware that we are looking through the incorrect filter because we're self-absorbed. We're so deep into our own problems that we can't even understand ourselves because we are not looking at it correctly. Ironically, we have a difficult time understanding ourselves when we are the most self-absorbed. Wouldn't you think it would be the opposite? The more inward we turn, inward that we, re, uh, that we, turn we, we, we understand ourselves better, but actually the opposite is true because our filters get all jacked up. Another reason is because we can 
uh, is because real life can create uh, real bouts of depression. I'm talking attacks of depression. A lifelong wound gets exposed from, uh, or, or triggered by a seemingly uh, innocent conversation. Or maybe uh, the weight of a taxing relationship rears its head again, and the weight of it just makes us melt. Maybe a terrible, a terrible memory overtakes our mind, and, and, and we're frozen, and, and, and it might last for days, even weeks, where we are literally in a depressed state. So we don't understand ourselves because we can be our absolute worst critic, because we can become incredibly self-absorbed, because we can um, also have real-life attacks of depression, also because our enemy is constantly trying to deceive us. Oh yeah, we have an enemy, and he's really good. He's the master deceiver, and he will lie to you all day long. All day long. He has studied us our entire lives, and is always tempting us uh, to trip us up at just the right moment. He will, he will make the, the worst possible thing look like a bed of roses. And the second we step in and we stumble into that thing, he flips the script and starts judging us and making us feel bad. He's a master at it. He's a master deceiver. So all these reasons are reasons that we have a difficult time understanding even ourselves, the person that we spend the most amount of time with. So, so how do we love ourselves? Well, it's complicated. It's really complicated. We're going to dig into God's Word uh, to, to this morning for some much-needed insight. Uh, we're not going to get too hung up on fixing those relationships. And a lot of today is going to be um, me relying on the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You're going to need to do some self-reflection and allow God to expose some things that maybe he can help you with. Nobody in the room is off the hook today as this message is tailored for every single person because we are all somebody. Amen? All right, Psalm 139, starting in verse 14, says this, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The first thing that we have to do is to unlock. That is the first thing that we must do. We have things hidden inside of us that are good for us. There are things inside that are good for us. That's how we can figure out how to love ourselves. But too often we are quick to discount ourselves. The shouting voices of our mistakes drown out the positive whispers from God. And this isn't a message to to encourage self-worship today. I don't want you to worship yourself. We, we're not supposed to put ourselves on a pedestal, but we are needing to spend some time in self-discovery, unlocking the things that God has put inside of us, the days that he ordered for us, the way that he planned for us. The image we need to picture is opening up a vault. When you open up a vault, inside of a vault, unless it's some weird Indiana Jones movie, where all the treasures are just piled on the hills and everything. Um, most vaults, when you open them up, inside of those vaults are what? More, more boxes of hiding places, right? Are you with me? You get in that vault and you walk in and there's, and there's doors all over the place, different keys and everything, and there are things hidden in there. That's really what we need to be picturing this, this morning. Think about it. Even though we lock the door, we still don't know the valuable things that are inside until we can unlock those things. Can't you see God in the beginning of time 
hiding treasures inside of you? As he was ordering your steps and planning out your life, can't you just see him tucking away things in this box over here and hiding that thing over here at just the right moment to be revealed to you? It's time to move some things around in our soul today. The gold is still buried deep inside of us. See, David talks about our life as a book written by God in the psalm. This part of our passage reveals so much to us about what God wants to say to us this morning. Think about a book that you've read and you were tempted to skip ahead to see who done it. First of all, you're a cheater. Okay? You shouldn't do that. That's not the order the book was written in. All right? You shouldn't do that to yourself. And we may want to skip ahead in our own story at times to find out what happens, but you can't. You see, you got to understand, there are parts of us that don't get unlocked until later chapters in God's story for our life. It's important to remember. Just because you aren't aware of the valuables inside of you at this moment doesn't mean that he's not going to reveal them to you later at just the right moment when you need it. Are you with me? Those things are inside of us. We've got to be aware that that is how uh, we can learn to love ourselves is by unlocking the things that God has set inside of us. Your book is not yet finished, but just getting started. This opportunity for self-discovery and growth should be an exciting part of us that we embrace. When we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling self-absorbed, when we're feeling at the end of our rope and that there's no hope for our future, take a few steps back and say, God, reveal to me what you've hid inside of me. Show it to me. Pull back the covers on the treasures that are inside of me. The greatest stories have the biggest comebacks, friends. Books and movies without drama, they're just flat boring. You wouldn't pay money to read them or go watch them. If you did, you'd be disappointed. So I'm telling you today, God is telling a real-life drama with your story. It's an adventure, and we can choose to go along for the ride. We can tell this story with the adventure of our life. So how do we unlock these good things inside of us? There are two steps. Number one, stop listening to our own negative voices. We tell ourselves that all of the gold in our vault has already been mined, that there's nothing left. We tell ourselves that our opportunity for achieving greatness has come and gone. Our time is over. Those are negative voices that we tell ourselves, and those are lies from the enemy that we start to repeat in our own mind, and we echo. Then we start listening to our creator's positive voice. He tells us that there is more gold to be found. He tells us that our best days are still ahead. When we start to believe that God's future for us is brighter than Satan's future for us, we can start to understand and love ourselves and embrace that. Are you with me? We have to unlock these things, friends. We have to. The second thing that we can do is to unpack. Unpack. We have things hidden inside of us that are not good for us. I'm reminded of the first flight that I took as an adult. <laughs> I mean, because I went on flights as a kid, you know, but as an adult, it's like, I've arrived. I am now a world traveler. Look at me. I have my ticket. I am big time. Like, don't you remember that first flight you took as an adult? Like, you're on top of the world. Like, you, you just feel like you are bad to the bone. And I packed two or three suitcases full of things I did not need. I was prepared for probably about three apocalyptic adventures, okay? 
I'm, I'm telling you, the end of days was not going to surprise me. I was ready for it. And I had all these things in there. I was ready to go. Wendy's like, yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> I still have back problems to this day because of it. You know, um, versus me today, it's like I, I, I pack a, a backpack. And I'm like, do I even really need the backpack to go on this trip, this week-long trip? I mean, surely I can fit everything in my pockets, right? You know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. But sometimes we grow numb to the baggage that we are carrying and the big carry-on bags and the rolling wheels and, and all the duffel bags. And we get so burdened down and we get, we get numb to it and, and we become blind to it. But everybody else looking at us is like, dude, they got baggage, man. You, you, you're rolling through life with so much weight. You're so heavy. You've got just so much just, ugh. Just shed it. Put some things in your pocket and run, friend. Let's go. That's what other people are trying to say to us. But that's what we have to do today if we want to learn to love ourselves is to unpack. Let's take some time to focus on our big bags because sometimes we just need to unpack. What is in our baggage? Some of it is a waste of energy. Just a waste of energy. You're spending your time thinking about things that you do not need to be concerned about. Give it to God. He's got this thing. You don't need to be wasting your energy. Don't waste your granola bar on that. Spend your energy on something more effective for you that you can actually control. Some of it's a waste of space. Some of us, we've blown up big balloons and put it in our baggage because you might need a balloon sometime. I don't know. But it's like a big waste of space. It's just, a, it's just emptiness in these bags. And we feel like we have to keep carrying them with us and carrying them with us and carrying them with us. And God's saying, no, just drop it. It's okay. Some of it is a waste of time. That's what's in our baggage. Things that are not helpful. So why do we become so committed to our baggage? The dysfunction of it becomes a security blanket to us. It's like, well, this is my life. This is how I live. This is how I get through my day. This is what makes me feel comfortable because this, this is what I know and understand. We allow the baggage to become our identity. We, we can't imagine going through life without it. That's why, that's why we become so committed. Because we start to believe the lies of the enemy that there's no other way but to carry all this baggage with us. So what does God think about our baggage? I mean, I can't know exactly, because I'm not him, but I, I do think I have a little bit of insight based on the scriptures today. He's not afraid of it. He's not afraid of the baggage that you're carrying around. Some of you think that you'll never be able to drop your baggage until the day you die. And God says, I'm not afraid of that. I can help you with it. I can help you drop that. I can help you get rid of that. He also wants to make it lighter. My Bible tells me that he planned my days out before they even started. And he has a plan for us. And he wants to make these bags lighter so that I can live this adventure that he has created for me. He also wants us to help us unpack some things. So I don't know what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. I intentionally am not saying specifics because I want it to be directly from God himself. But friend, some of us need to unpack our bags today. The third point is to unleash. Unleash. We have things hidden inside of us that others need from us. This is where our shift goes from uh, focusing on loving ourselves 
And then what that does is we actually get some health inside of us so that we can actually make a difference in other people's lives. This happens when we drop our extra baggage, find our hidden goal, and help others do the same thing. It's that simple. This is the intersection of healed people and real ministry. This is what happens here. This is loving yourself in spite of your past, but for the sake of your future ministry to others. That's what this is about, unleashing. I remember a ski trip that I took when I was a kid. Um, I remember being in the back of the van, and remember, I told you last, uh, a couple weeks ago, back when the uh, Chiefs won the Super Bowl, um, I told you a story about um, my work in the, in the restaurant world with my parents. Well, when we went on a ski trip with the church, um, my family was in charge of bringing all the food, because we had lots of it, you know, so it was great, so we were loaded down, we had all of our baggage, And then we had all the food for everyone else. On our way out through through western Kansas and into eastern Colorado, um, there's a snowstorm. It's a pretty heavy snowstorm. And we were trying to wind our way through. And Dad decided he was going to take a shortcut. Now, this is before before Google Maps. This is before MapQuest. This is before... Uh, what, other, what other things do we have that get us lost? This is, this is none of that existed, okay? It, 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 was, it was not even part of our world right then, so we have paper maps that you fold out, you know? And he's taking this shortcut through this pasture. And I swear, I really think there was one point, I think we were on top of a lake. I really do. I, I can't prove it. I can't prove it, but I feel like we were. And we were winding our way through this shortcut, and we made ourselves on the side of this mountain. Eventually, we got stuck in a snowdrift, this massive snowstorm. I wasn't afraid because I had my games with me. I was, I was cool. I had my music. I'm like, I had no idea I could die, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I guess I'm thinking about all the food we have in the van, you know? But I'm thinking, we're good for days. We're, we're fine. But my dad is out there working on it, trying to figure it out. But what happened is we were, we were high center on a snowdrift. And eventually, he had to shift around the weight in the van and get traction underneath of the wheels so that we could get going. Did the van ever lose its power? The van had the power the whole time. But it needed some weight redistribution, and it needed some traction so it could move. Amen? You with me? Just like us, we need to unpack, we need to unlock, let God move some things around inside of us so we can get some traction in our lives. That happened on that day, and vroom, vroom, we pulled out of that snowdrift. I'm still playing my game, listening to music. I'm like, oh, life's good, sweet. You know, we're on the way. And then we run into a truck that was buried deeper than us. It was a guy, I think he was slightly drunk. Uh, I don't think, I know he was. Um, but uh, he had no chance of getting himself out. Uh, there was no ability to, to redistribute weight and he was not all together and he was gonna freeze. But we happened on him, and my dad was able to help him redistribute the weight, get some traction, and use the power that the truck still had to get out of there. And then we quickly did a U-turn and backed ourselves out. So I'm convinced God had us take that shortcut so that we could save that man's life. Are you with me? I'm convinced of it. So, so, so you tell me, you feel high-centered, you feel stuck, you feel in a drift, Friends, listen, God has only got you stuck for a moment so he can redistribute weight in your life, get you unstuck so that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. That is unleashing. That's unleashing. That's unleashing. 
what does the practical application of this look like? It's trading our flight for his fight. We want to leave, and God says, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. That's what unleashing looks like. So just when you want to leave, like, God, I've had enough. I'm out. I'm done. If we redistribute the weight, we're allowed to stay in the fight. It's trading our anxiety for his awareness. There are things that we're upset and tormented and frustrated about. And God, if he will come in and you'll allow him to give you his awareness of the situation, there'll be peace and you'll understand you can move forward. It's trading our judgment for his compassion. We want to judge others and say, it's their fault that I'm in this situation. It's their fault that my life is terrible. And God wants to bring in our, his compassion and say, no, friend, look, we're all broken. Everyone needs me. And this is going to be your story. When we allow God to equalize these traits, when we allow him to unlock our treasures, help us drop our weights, we are unleashed to help others. Listen to this true uh, truth played out for Nick Sutton. I don't know if you know the story, but listen to this. On Thursday, actually this Thursday, what, uh, three days ago? Okay. Nick Sutton was executed by the electric chair 35 years after he sentenced to death for the stabbing death of his fellow prisoner, Carl Estep, over a drug dispute. His final words were, I'm just grateful to be a servant of God, and I'm looking forward to being in his presence, and I thank you. Sutton was 58 years old. Sutton was 28, old, 28 years old when he and, his, and two other men killed uh, Estep. He was already serving a life sentence for the murder of his grandmother and two other men, Charles Allman and John Large. According to the Nashville scene, a publication in Nashville, uh, Sutton was raised in an environment marked by abuse, neglect, substance abuse, and mental illness. He was definitely stuck. In the 35 years since his, his final murder, Sutton's life has transformed. These correction officers have testified that Sutton saved their life at various points during his sentence. A group of five inmates armed with knives and other weapons surrounded me, attempted to take me hostage. Nick and another inmate confronted them, physically removed me from the situation, escorted me to, to the safety of a trapped gate in another building. Tony Eden, a retired corrections officer, said in the clemency application, I owe my life to Nick Sutton. Charles Maynard also asked the state to spare Sutton's life. Maynard was young when Sutton killed his uncle Charles Allman, but today he's a minister and said he decided to get involved after an aunt told him, you know that man is on death row and you know we don't need to kill him. Nevertheless, Sutton's clemency was denied. In a final statement, Sutton wrote of how much he looked forward to meeting God. He said, if I could leave one thing with all of you, it is don't ever give up on the ability of Jesus Christ to fix someone or a problem. He can fix anything. Don't ever underestimate his ability. He has made my life meaningful and fruitful through my relationships with family and friends. So even in my death, I am coming out a winner. You think your life is rough today. You're having a hard time loving yourself. You're having a hard time with the number one relationship in your life. Friend, you do not have it as bad as him. And he found a way to unlock the treasures in his life. He made many mistakes, but finally God revealed those treasures buried deep inside of him. He got to those just in time. He unpacked the baggage of his life and God unleashed him for ministry. Friend, it made a difference in his life and it can make a difference in your life today. In closing today, remember this, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Here's some proof. Consider the miracle of the human body. 
every second, more than 100,000 chemical reactions take place in your brain. It has 10 billion nerve cells to record what you see and hear. That information comes to your brain through the miracle of the eye, which has 100 million receptor cells in each eye. Your retina also has four other layers of nerve cells. Altogether, the systems make the equivalent of 10 billion calculations a second before an image even gets the optic nerve. You're not stupid. (laughs) You understand what happens in your brain. It's unbelievable. Once it reaches your brain, the cerebral cortex has more than a dozen separate vision centers in which to process it. Your tear ducts supply a bacteria-fighting fluid to protect your eyes from infection. The tears that fight irritants differ from the tears of sadness, which contain 24% more proteins. That's not to mention the miracle of the ear and how it translates sound waves into meaningful speech and sounds, or of touch, taste, and smell. Part of your brain regulates voluntary matters such as muscle coordination and thought processes. Other parts of the brain control involuntary processes such as digestion, glandular secretions, the rate at which your heart beats, etc. How did it accidentally happen that your body could speed up your heart rate to the proper speed to meet increased oxygen demand when you exercise and slow it down when the need is met? One square inch of your skin has about 625 sweat glands, 19 feet of blood vessels, 19,000 sensory cells. Working in coordination with your brain, it maintains your body at a steady 98.6 degrees under all weather conditions, even in New Jersey. Your stomach has 35 million glands which secrete the right amount of juices to allow your body to digest food and convert it into stored energy for your muscles. To avoid digesting itself, your stomach produces a new lining every three days. Your body is an efficient machine. To ride a bicycle for an hour at 10 miles per hour requires only 350 calories, the energy equivalent of only three tablespoons of gasoline. There, that solves our energy problem, friends. Um, you have more than 200 bones, each shaped for its function, connection in, connected intricately to one another through lubricated joints that cannot be perfectly duplicated by modern science. More than 500 muscles connect to these bones. Some obey willful commands. Others perform their duty in response to unconscious commands from the brain. You don't even know that it's happening. They all work together to keep us alive. The heart muscle itself beats over 103,000 times each day, pumping your blood cells a distance of 168 million miles. Coupled with that, your lungs automatically breathe in the right amount of life-giving oxygen, about 438 cubic feet every day which just happens to be mixed in the right proportions, about 20% oxygen, 80% nitrogen. You do that in our atmosphere. Each of the other vital organs and glands in your body works in complex conjunction with the others to sustain life, which science can't explain or even recreate. I haven't even mentioned the complexity of human cells. Listen to this. A single human chromosome, DNA molecule, contains uh, 20 billion bits of information. How much is that? What would be its equivalent? If it were written down in an ordinary printed book in modern human language, 20 billion bits are the equivalent of about 3 billion letters. If there are approximately six letters in an average word, the information content of a human chromosome corresponds to about 500 million words. If there are about 300 words on an ordinary page of printed type, this corresponds to about 2 million pages. If a typical book contains 500 such pages, the information contained on a single Human chromosome corresponds to some 4,000 volumes. It is clear then 
that the sequence of rungs on our DNA ladders represent an enormous library of information. It is equally clear that so rich a library is equally or is required to uh, specify as exquisitely constructed and intricately functioning as an object of a human being. This is an excerpt from the Dragons of Eden, Speculations on Evolution of Human Intelligence by astronomer Carl Sagan. If, a, if an astronomer who... It's been debated whether or not he received Jesus Christ as a Savior on his deathbed. That's been speculated. But if an astronomer whose mind is so far past so many of ours and his ability to understand the human body can say these things and believe them to be true, friend, you better believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. This... This just scratches the surface on how you were created. This doesn't even get into the, to the will of the heart and the soul and the mind and what you do with your life. Friend, we are so geared and ready to make a difference in this world, but we have to learn how to love ourselves. We have to. I know it's complicated. We've messed some things up. We've made some bad decisions. People have hurt us. But friend, you have got to learn to love yourself. You are fearfully, wonderfully made, and you are set up for this time to make a difference in this world. God has a plan for you. And I would not be surprised if today, on this day, God reveals a box in your vault that you never even knew was there. And he says, all right, baby, for such a time as this, here you go. Here you go. Look what, I, look what I hid inside of you. Before your parents even thought of your name. We've got to learn to love ourselves. This world is counting on you to love yourself. S- stop talking bad about yourself. Stop recirculating those lies about yourself. You, you are the image of the divine God is all over you. It's time to do the work. See, happily ever after does not happen without a story. And my question is, is who will God impact with the story of your life? You don't know. Sutton didn't know. Carl Sagan didn't know. Isn't it interesting that God doesn't need us to even have faith in him to impact others for him? How much more powerful when we're actually following in his steps that we can make a difference in the world for Jesus Christ. I believe this this morning. I believe there's some people that need some prayer. You need to sort through some things. I believe the Holy Spirit has pulled the covers back on some long, uh, difficult situations in your life that you've struggled with, some questions that you have that you need clarity to. So today, when we go through this last worship song, I invite you, come to one of the prayer partners that will be up here at the front. And let's go to God on behalf of us so that we can learn to love ourselves in this complicated situation. Amen.